Hello, everyone. Welcome to AU4H Radio Real Talk with Donna, Lee, and myself, Lori. We're glad to be here tonight. This is a very important topic that we're discussing here tonight. Uh, really taking a look at mental health awareness. Um, Donna is going to ask Lee and myself some questions. We're going to answer and just to give you, an, uh, you know, a little bit of an insight into what we've dealt with in our own lives and uh, just to promote mental health awareness. So I'm really glad to be here. And a big shout out and thanks to everybody who's been listening to our shows and following our work. And we really appreciate it. Hopefully, you know, the material is helpful for you. Um, you know, leave us a comment, be sure and let us know what you think. And, um, you know, if the shows are valuable, or if there's a topic that you'd like to see discussed or information that we can bring out, you know, to you, because that's what this show is really all about, people helping people. And, you know, we want to make a difference. Advocates United for Humanity, that's what it's all about. Um, we're here to be, you know, a public service, and we really just want to be um, another voice, you know, a, a helpful voice for people out there. So hopefully you're getting something out of this. We do appreciate, like I said, everybody who's commented and taken the time to contact us to let, let us know what you think. And we're really glad to be here again tonight. All right, ladies, we can get started. <laughs> I'm really excited about tonight because mental health is very common in the United States. One in five Americans suffer from some sort of mental illness throughout their lifetime. In 2019, there was 51.9 million people um, that had one type of mental illness or another from very mild to very serious. So to me, it it's a topic I think that needs to be talked about. We have to break the stigma and we have to let people know that it's it's okay. And we don't have to be afraid to talk about mental health because so many people deal with it. I know myself, I deal with anxiety. And there's times like before we come on the show, like I'm just about having a panic attack because it gets the best of me. Other times I come on and it, it's a breeze and it just, it depends on how my day is going, how, how I'm taking care of myself. And again, it all boils down to mental health. So tonight I thought it would be a good idea to talk about mental health and living with the healthy, positive role model. And I see both you and Lee as positive role models in my lives and, and other people's lives. Both of you are great mentors. You're great voices and people respect you and I do, and I love you as well. So I just thought it would be really cool to take the night, ask some questions, and I wanted to see the similarities and the differences with people who deal with mental health. Yeah, that's great. You know, well, many people have, they go through many trials and tribulations in their life, you know, and <coughs> every, everyone is different and everyone sees things differently and everyone heals differently. And I've heard so many people say when they deal with mental health that, or mental illness, that, you know, it, it's dark. And to me, I want them to see light at the end of the tunnel. I want them to know that it's going to be okay. And I think the more that we talk about it, the better it is. And the first step mm -hmm. into making it better for all of us is for people that just like myself, I deal with anxiety and it's like, I think it's better that I come out and say I do rather than hide it and deal with it in shame or private because I don't want people to know. Mm -hmm. So, and I know that you and Lee have both had many, you know, valleys in your life that you have gone through. And I just think that it would be 
really nice that we show the people that we are human, just like them. You know, our lives are not perfect. We too have our own struggles and challenges, you know. So I just thought it would be a really good idea tonight. So if you're ready, question number one. I'm ready. <laughs> from, from your point of view, uh, what is self-harm and have you ever personally experienced it? Self-harm. Um, well, I've, you know, along you know, my healing journey, from healing from child abuse, um, I, I experienced some self-harm, definitely. But I didn't call it self-harm. And I never would have thought of it as self-harm before I started my healing journey. Um, I did do some self-harm. And, um, all, you know, especially in my early, uh, like, teens and even into my early 20s, uh, I really didn't think of it as self-harm. But now that I look back on it, it was self-harm. Definitely was hurting myself using drugs and doing a lot of drugs and really harmful drugs. Um, and wasn't concerned if I overdosed or, you know, had car accidents or anything um, because that was my life. My life was hectic and, um, you know, it was a lot of crisis. I grew up in crisis, so I was just continuing on the crisis all the way through my teens and into my 20s, early 20s. And then um, I realized, you know, if I was going to live, I needed to change that behavior. So I got off the drugs and but didn't do any real work towards my healing journey. Um, but self-harm, I, I now look back at it and I think, yeah, that was definitely self-harm. And I really was um, doing that for a purpose. Some of it was, so, you know, I, I look back at it now and I think some of it was to escape the abuse. One way was for me to be high. And that was just so that I could, I could be a different person on the drugs and I could, you know, I could be someone else. Um, yeah. Not that scared little, you know, unwanted girl that that I really was I could be the party girl the crazy girl you know um it gave me a little bit of an alter ID um yeah. some different personality yeah so I'm glad that I, I was able to get off the drugs and I'm, I'm very thankful very very thankful um but I, I didn't do any cutting or anything like that but when I started to look into self-harm and really what it is um I realized that I was doing some self-harm um, not a whole lot. I didn't do any cutting or anything like that, but I did want to harm myself, you know. Yeah. Um, I wanted to hurt myself even later, uh, but just around before I started my healing journey, I was wanting to self-injure. And, um, you know, it's it's hard. It's very, very hard. I think it was because I was, I was feeling too much pain. I know that I've read a lot about self-harm and a lot of self-harm is especially cutting and things like that is, is done to actually feel something because the person can't feel. So they do that. So they can feel for me, I was feeling too much and wanting to um, sort of self-destruct. So it was a little bit different in, you know, in my case, but either way it's self-harm. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I've dealt with it. Absolutely. Me. Um, <laughs> Okay, um, self-harm, there's, I look back now, um, I did a lot of emotional eating and trying to escape the pain and drinking when I was very, very young. Um, I wasn't 
but probably about 11 years old when I started drinking. But, you know, and, and I that turned out really badly because um, I had a lot of times, I had more than once, I had about three or four times that I remember that, that I had alcohol poisoning and I was really terrified I was going to die. But oh, wow. that, didn't, that didn't keep me from continuing to drink. But the, the drinking um, and the eating, I mean, it's putting, for me, it was like I would eat anything that I could put in my mouth, you know, just to, food was always there. Usually it was sweets, though. It, it was sweets, candies, cookies, cakes, cupcakes, um, <laughs> all sorts of things. Um, yeah. When we're talking self-harm, the first thing I actually think of, even before that, is that... Um, there were times when I, I was about to dissociate. I, was, I wasn't intentionally going to hurt myself. I had no, no ideations of suicide at that point. However, I did a lot of self-harm with, um, with, um, you know, with, with an instrument, with broken glass. Um, I have... A lot of people are ashamed of their scars and they don't want to show it and it's gone, it's passed. And for a long time I would wear long sleeves. And I don't care if it was 90 out, but I got to eventually say, you know, I'm hot, I'm gonna be comfortable. The scars are there and it may strike a conversation with someone who has experienced what I experienced and maybe that we can connect. But I have, I have a lot of scars, especially on this arm, I mean, I couldn't even count them right now. They're there. They're here. Mostly here. Um, there's some on the other arm, um, and that I didn't even feel that there was no pain. I was starting to dissociate. It, I felt like I was. I felt like my skin was frozen. You know, mm -hmm. since in my skin, my feelings. I couldn't feel anything at all, um, and that would happen. Um, Self harm that way. A lot of people are under the false impression that anybody that self harms is suicidal and that's i have learned that is absolutely not true um for not for all of us um self-harm is a way for me i learned it was a way of dealing with the pain that was stuffed way way down inside of me um and then it got to the point where there was so much pain and there was nowhere to put it there was no way to deal with it and the self-harming would actually free some of that pain. Um, it's kind of hard to explain to some people. It's, but that's that's what happened um, for me. It was a way of, of being able to cope with the pain um, that was inside that I couldn't get out any other way. I didn't, I didn't have any really great coping skills at that point. Um, and I was dealing with a lot of um, a lot of depression, anxiety, panic attacks, PTSD from all the um, all the abuses that I had experienced up until that point. It's there's also and what I didn't realize is that you know when you have a when you have a wound and you're constantly picking at the scars as it's healing and you're constantly picking at the scars and I did a lot of that. That is that is considered self-harm as well and I really didn't even think of that. I didn't put that into the same category, you know, um, but I, I did a lot of that for a long time. Um, so, yeah, I, I experienced that for many years. I have been free of that particular self-harm since 
prior to moving up where I'm at now. So that was probably early 2006. So um, That's it doesn't always lead to, it does, it's not always a cry for help that somebody is going to be suicidal, that they want to take their life. Um, sometimes it's just, it's a coping skill. Although it's not a very good coping skill, sometimes it's all we can do at that point in time. Um, so that's, that's where I, you know, my experience with it, the food. Um, I've also, you know, before I moved up here, um, I was engaging in a lot of risky behavior. I, I'm not going to share, you know, the details aren't needed, but there was risky behavior um, that could have actually gotten me killed. And I kind of really didn't care. It was just, you know, the way I felt um, at that particular point in time. Now, I just kind of did what I was doing. I, I, like I said, risky behavior, meeting, meeting people offline is one, um, you know, and it just and it didn't matter who I met. So uh, there's a there's a shame with, with people, you know, wanting not admitting it, not talking about it. But we've got to be able to um, stamp out the stigma that's associated with mental yeah. illness with anybody that's struggling so sure. that we can all get on that healing journey and we can find some inner peace and some and some healing. So I'm, right. I'm really grateful to be here. <laughs> mm -hmm. We're grateful that you're here. Life. It's crazy, that's but right. I'm grateful to be here. <laughs> Okay, question number two. When someone's in a suicidal state, they are in a very dark place. Um, have you ever been in a similar state? Yes, um, suicidal ideation was a problem for me. And uh, where I grew up, my both of my parents were suicidal. My dad was actually suicidal to the point where he would try to kill himself. Um, and my mom was uh, had suicidal ideation. So suicide was part of the normal conversation in our home, um, unfortunately. Um, I was definitely suicidal. Um, I was quite often after, especially my teens, uh, late teens, kind of almost looking f for ways, you know, I w and I, from the time I was 10, I realized that I was, I felt dead and I really didn't care if I lived or died. But that's, that was part of me the other part of me said no we got to keep going and that's always that was always the case for me um it was hard definitely hard i struggled with that for many years i didn't reach out and get any help um i was in a very dark place and i would go to those dark places i never spent you know years in those dark places i grew up abused and i, I had to learn how to cope enough to get through through life so you know i'd put it away shove it down go deal with life whatever i had to do you know um and then i would hit these points these low points where maybe too much happening around me too many things going on too many crises or something and i would hit these low points and the memories would start coming back of the abuse and just the you know the whole um tragedy that was my youth and my childhood and it which would then cause me to want to commit suicide all over again and i went on this cycle for years and I, it was really a road a, a nightmare of a road trip let me tell you um i won't go into details about how i planned my suicides or what i planned to do because that's just not necessary but 
I have talked about a little bit of on, on my own stuff. But the thing is, is, um, you know, something would always stop me. Uh, and I'd say, well, no, because two of my brothers killed themselves and in their, when they were in their 30s, mid-30s. And that broke my heart. Um, not together. They weren't together when they committed suicide. This was several years apart. One committed suicide, and then so many years later, another one committed suicide, both in their mid-30s. So they didn't make it past their mid-30s. And to me, that was just devastating. And I knew what that did to my heart. Um, just trying to cope from their, the loss that, that I was experiencing because they killed themselves. Um, because they were abused. I knew what they grew up. They grew up in the same house I did. So I, I saw the, you know, what they went through and it just broke my heart. And I thought, I can't, you know, I can't do that to my remaining family members. I, it would always make me sort of let go of this whole idea of committing suicide, but that was always in my mind, in the back of my mind. And finally I hit uh, rock bottom to the very darkest place I've ever been at the age of 42. Um, and sometimes they say that's like a, a break, you know, maybe I was having a breakdown, but actually I've had many counselors and therapists tell me that it was a breakthrough because I finally got to the place where I realized I couldn't do it alone anymore. And I really yeah. needed to reach out, you know, um, and have some people help me pull me up out of the pit. And so I did. And I'm so thankful because that started my healing journey. Um, and you know, life has gotten better. It's gotten a lot better. Um, I know there's people that, out there that, are, that aren't out there, you know, to hurt me. I know there's good people out there. And uh, now would I reach out for help, you know, knowing, you know, for counseling or a therapist, knowing now after speaking to so many that do care and are caring individuals, I would definitely go see a counselor or therapist. Um, you know, so now, you know, I made a promise to myself um, actually made a promise to God, but I made a promise to myself <laughs> that if I ever got that far down again, ever, didn't matter how old I was, you know, 75 years old, whatever, if I ever got that to that point again, I was going to make a phone call. I'm going to stay alive and I'm going to do this. And so that's my main message to everybody out there. Um, I'm really glad that I stuck it out. Absolutely. I wish my brothers would have too. Yeah. Lori, there's no shame in asking for help. A lot of people think that if you ask for help, that it's embarrassing or it's shameful. And to me, it, it's not. <laughs> at one point in time in our lives, we all need help. Mm -hmm. That's right. And there is no shame in asking for help. But there's a, there's a stigma that's out there that prevents a lot of us from reaching out for help. Um, talk about being in a very low and dark place. Um, the only word that I could connect to the way I felt was I was in an abyss. Mm -hmm. I was in an abyss. There was absolutely no light. It was pitch black. There was not, not a glimmer of light, nothing. Um, and I was 14 years old when that, that started. And I contemplated taking my life every single day until I was 18 years old. So four years of daily thoughts of taking my own life. Um, Sad. I never shared that with anybody then. 
Um, the only two people I, I believe would ever miss me would have been my mom and my grandfather, who they, they were both you know amazing people and my best friends. Um, I, as hard as it is to say this, I, I was never, I never felt close to my siblings. I'm the oldest, um, but it was being born without my twin. Um, that leaves me, you know, automatically feeling disconnected from everybody. Um, but it, it's really hard. Um, I thought every day, it's like, well, who would miss me? Nobody will miss me. Um, and then, then, you know, I would think of mom and then I'd think of my grandfather. But that was due, you know, to the culmination of everything, the suicidal thoughts. It was due to the culmination of everything up to that point and including the, um, the assault I experienced when I was 14. It was right after that, um, after the gang assault that I contemplated taking my own life. Um, it, it, I was raised Catholic, so it's like, well, I, it didn't even occur to me, you know, I wasn't even in my thought process that, okay, well, raised Catholic, it's a sin um, to take your own life. I didn't, that didn't even come into um, my thoughts it was just mom and my grandfather. Um, but still, I you know, I continued for years to think about taking my own life. And the only thing that stopped me was finding out I was pregnant with my son. And it's like, I just, I think that because he is very... It's okay. The gift of life from God really saved, that saved my life. Mm -hmm. My son is my lifesaver because at the moment I found out I was pregnant um, and that was two weeks before I was supposed to get married. But, um, it's just all thoughts of taking my own life just literally they disintegrated. They didn't just go to the back burner or, you know, in, in the box in the back of the closet. They literally disintegrated because now I had a life that was depending on me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I still struggle over the years. Um, I do. I deal with a lot of depression, anxiety, PTSD. Um, it's okay. <laughs> like this emotional, I know. Um, <laughs> And it's okay to be emotional. It's okay to yes. cry. They're good That's tears. Right. They're happy tears. Hugs, sissy. Um, but it's still an emotional <laughs> experience. Yeah, because um, I didn't think there was any other way out of, you know, what I was dealing with because nobody had listened to me at that point, you know, with what I was able to tell with my actions and, and you know, the one visit to the family doctor, um, which didn't really do a lot of good. Um but there is there's something I wrote years ago that was actually published in the college literary magazine in the mid '90s when I went to um, when I went to college, and it was a poem called "The The Darkness" and the darkness is the depression. I'm sorry. Um, it was called depression, and I I just poured my heart out um, without thought on how I felt. And that was, you know, in the abyss. I couldn't find my way out. It was dark. 
All the rungs on the ladder are broken. The walls are made of thick steel. Um, I had one person, one young college man, actually come up to me as, as that book came out. Um, I was part of a class that put the book together. And he looked at that book and he looked at it and he looked at me and he just, I didn't think anybody understood. I didn't think anybody yeah. understood where I was. He said, that's it. That is it. And like, you know, that just, that was powerful to know that somebody else experienced what I was going through. Um, and, and that was a really big help. So, you know, it, it's hard sometimes when to think of anything else when you're in those suicidal thoughts. Um, it really is. It's just a really, really dark place um, that I never thought I'd find my way out of. But I ended up getting help. And for me, I needed some medication. And within the first week, there was, there was, a, there was just a spark, just a spark, just a glimmer. But I could see light. Mm -hmm. And that gave me some hope. And, you know, then going into therapy. And I didn't, I don't recall knowing of any resources back then that we do have now, you know, there, there just wasn't an access to resources and, and that's a huge problem. That's a huge problem because it still continues today. The lack of accessibility um, and especially, I wasn't deaf at that point, I was dealing with hearing loss, but you know, for the deaf community and it just shares like for the deaf community, there's such a lack of resources, even more than what, you know, any more than, than what was, um, them losing words. I'm sorry. Um, okay. Oh, that's okay. Between the end of a migraine and just getting real emotional, <laughs> and <laughs> bear with me, but the lack of resources, it has been a continuing problem for everybody in most especially for the deaf community, you know, mm -hmm. and, and other minorities. So, you know, we've got to reach out to one another. We've got to share um, our strength, our experience, our hope, um, and, you know, the steps we're taking on our healing journeys so that others can, you know, find their way. We've got to be the light for them. Yes. And that's just what I've been doing, you know, since... Since I came came through that, okay. that's awesome. That uh, is, that is very it's, powerful. It's real emotional. It is. That's okay. It is. It's an and emotional okay. topic. Yeah. Question number three: If someone was considering suicide, what would you tell them to do? or give them your own personal advice as to get the help they need. Because so many people, they try to hide it. They don't want people to know. Like I said, they're embarrassed. What would you tell someone that really needed needed help? How would you encourage them to get the help they need? Yeah, that's a tough question. Um, you know, it's hard. Um, I know that for myself, um, we used to try to talk my dad into not killing himself. And it was hard 
to get him to hear us because my dad was mentally ill. He was um, schizophrenic and he was borderline schizophrenic and borderline personality disorder and who knows what else. He was uh, very mentally unwell. And we would try to tell him, you know, um, that we loved him, all of his children, me and my siblings that were still in the house. There were two that were already moved out, but there were five children in the home and we would all talk to my dad and try to get him to to want to live and to not try to kill himself and um, to try to make him feel good, even though my dad was our abuser. That's what people don't realize about. That's why I tell my story and I'm so vocal. Like our parents, both of our parents were our abusers, but my dad was abusing us as well. And all of us used to try to help him. My brothers actually used to go and save him from killing himself. Um, like he'd go running down the freeway trying to get hit by semi trucks in the middle of the night. And um, in the, on the, we, we, our, our house actually backed onto a freeway. So that just around the corner was the freeway. So he, he would run out into the middle of the road in the, in the freeway with big semis coming by trying to get hit and it's dark naked <laughs> and um, my brothers would have my my teenage brothers would have to go and drag him back home before he got hit by a truck and you know we would try to talk to him and tell him you know we love you dad and you know he was just so so messed up and he would not go get help um it's hard if someone is in that state uh, where they are not able to even cope. Um, they're made like Lee was saying. You know, she had to, she had to get on some meds, and I obviously I think my dad needed that. He needed psychiatric treatment. Um, mm -hmm. For me, I just needed somebody to care. Um, I think that I was just down because I never used to talk to anybody about what I had gone through. I never reached out for support. Um, you know, I never told too many people about what I had gone through as a child and and not that closely and not that much. I might have, you know, I might I, I did divulge some things to some people, but never really got to the, you know, to the real heavy duty stuff. And it's like, you know, just, you know, I was just wanting somebody to, to care about me as a person and to just, you know, just sort of be there for me. Um, to say, you know what, it's okay, you've gone through a lot, I still accept you, it's okay, you know what I mean, um, I yes. was just looking for support, so, uh, it, you know, I really didn't need somebody, uh, I would, I never actually used to tell anybody that I was suicidal, that's the difference, my brothers, um, they never used to talk about killing themselves, but they used to just attempt it, and that, that was the same with my dad, and that was really the same with me, and that's why that's dangerous. People that don't go around saying, I'm going to kill myself, um, nobody would have known that I was suicidal. I never told anybody that I was suicidal. And um, so in my adult life, nobody would have known. Um, my mom was always talking about committing suicide, so she was using it sort of as a, a tool um, in, the, in the family, within the family system, to get a, to manipulate the situation. So she, you know, mm -hmm. if she wanted sympathy or if she just wanted to take her aggression out on us or whatever, she would use that as a tool. So she, they both needed uh, psychiatric or, or some type of counseling, you know. Um, for me, I, I, I definitely think I would have done well to see a counselor or therapist. I didn't trust any counselors or therapists. So I went group support. 
but what to say to somebody that's what i've done on my shows like my the stuff that i've done in the past you know uh, apart from au for age years ago back in the old days and even now sometimes one child abuse survivor to another and stuff talking about suicide what my main message is to people is to not give up because for me look so many people have been through so much I'm not, you know, I look around the world and I see what people are going through, what they have gone through, what they're dealing with. People are suffering all around the world from all sorts of different things. And it's a shame to throw their li our lives away because of what we've been through. That's a shame. Like, um, <clears throat> what I decided to do was live despite of all of that. And it's hard because sometimes I want to give up too. I think that that's kind of a normal response sometimes is to say, I just want to quit. I just want to give up. I'm tired, you know. Um, but the thing is, it's my, it's my fight to, um, to win, you know. So I think that that's why my main message to people like my followers that listen to my stuff is don't give up and don't allow what you've been through in your past to ruin the rest of your life. Um, you know. Yeah, like we shouldn't, we shouldn't ruin the rest of our lives because what we've, we've been through. That's a shame. You know, I watched my parents do it. I watched my, uh, my family members do that. And I was like, I just need to not do that. I need to have a good life. And I need to be good to myself and good to other people and get the help that I need, and, you know, uh, and not be uh, allow my life to be destroyed because of my past and that that's my main message to people is you know to get help don't don't be destroyed by your past no that's a shame my brothers did and i it's a tragedy for me um you know that they couldn't be reached they wouldn't be reached Very and sad. it is it is it's just uh and i you know so many people they just feel that that's the only way um and for me, I just feel like, well, it is hard. And sometimes it's very, very hard. And sometimes it's very, very dark. And then what I remember is that, yeah, um, tomorrow could be a better day. Tomorrow. And then sometimes it's not. And then I have to say, well, the next day could be a better day. Because surviving in this world so many times, it's not easy um, for many people. And for most people, I would say. <laughs> and, you know, it's hard, right? Um, these things, life is challenging. It really is. It is. It and is. I think, yeah, it's important when we, you know, if I'm struggling, like I have, I was struggling today. I, I'll, I'll admit it. So this is a perfect timing for the show <laughs> because I was struggling, not with suicidal ideation, but I was down and already um, feeling a little bit overwhelmed. I've had a lot of health problems just, you know, kind of cropping up and things going wrong. And then I thought, oh, you know, I just need to relax. I just need to relax. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not, it's not the end of the world. It's like, okay, um, get some help, talk to some friends. And sometimes we don't have friends to talk to. I'm really blessed because I do, um, you know, but sometimes we don't. And so therefore I would say, then you make a phone call to somebody. You don't, don't go down because of, uh, of the situation in your life, you know, reach out and get some help. Yeah, it's so important. Absolutely. Like I, re I was on my own doing this stuff back when I started my healing journey for, you know, just going through suicide, suicidal ideation at the end of the road. I thought that was it. I thought I couldn't go any further. And I started to reach out and all these hands started to come back to me. 
and some of those hands were you guys, but there were there were other people too, and they were like, "You can do this. You can do this." And I had no idea that that amount of people actually would care about me. No idea, no concept. So I tell people, that's what I tell people all the time. Just reach out, man. Because <laughs> people don't know you're suffering a lot of times. People don't know no. you're struggling. And even if they saw you, they maybe they not maybe they just don't clue in. You know what I mean? So if yeah. you don't say something, if you don't say, look, I need help, man. I really do. Um, and, in, and then even then, if they pass you by and they don't take it serious, just keep doing it. You just keep yes. reaching out for help until somebody takes you seriously because it's so important your life matters that's what i want the listeners to understand right now your life matters just as much as anybody else it and, does you know it matters it matters to us it matters to me so you know it needs to matter to you that's that's the, my main message you have to care about yourself and you have to you have to make that decision i want to live i want to do this and it's hard no doubt and it, it, there's always going to be those days where it just seems like it's just too hard. But we can do this. That's my answer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's not an easy journey um, by any means. And sometimes it's, it's hard to even think that, okay, I need to pick up the phone. I need to call for help. Um, yeah. sometimes you're not even in a space where, you know, that's a, a, an option or a possibility. What I would tell someone is, is that there is help. There is hope. Um, there are so many of us that are here because we reached out. Um, there's, there's so many people that have made the journey and, and that are standing by for each one of us. Um, they look like with the hands out and just just grab a hold of that hand and we'll bring you into the light. We'll help bring you into the light. We will, I will walk with you. I will sit with you. I am here for you. Um, you matter. Your life matters. You are important. You are precious. And there's we have the, um, the National Suicide Hotline, uh, Prevention Hotline, and, and that's definitely information I would share with somebody. I have, I have a friend who on multiple occasions has contacted me over the years when they were at that point and I was, I was there, you know, I sat there non-judgmentally. I'm just there. You share with me, promise me that when we, when we hang up, when we are done, you know, talking, um, when promise me that we'll talk tomorrow, okay? You won't do anything tonight. Call me tomorrow or we'll talk in the morning. Um, just being there, just knowing that somebody is there sometimes is all we need. You know, it's the, it's not all we need, but that is all we need at that moment to help us back up away from that edge the, um, of, of the cliff, of the ledge that we're, you know, precariously hanging off of by our fingernails. Mm -hmm. And uh -huh. it's it's really difficult um, when you don't have the resources, when you don't have the support. And now we have, you know, multiple numbers that can be called the, the national hotline. Um, and there are those 
depending on where you live, um, there is there is a hotline. You can actually call them, and you know they can refer you to um, an area near where where you live for further help, for further support and guidance. But it's it's about having somebody there, and just sometimes just listening or just sitting there. I mean, I've sat you know with somebody there for like for hours. Them, Nobody's saying anything. Just having that body next to you, with you, mm -hmm. that that means so much. Mm -hmm. Knowing that that somebody is willing to sit there with you, you don't have to say anything. You don't have to do anything. Just let me sit here with you, um, and just know that I'm here for you. It's really important just letting someone know that you're you're there for them. Um, that's the really big thing. I honestly didn't think anybody was there, would be there for me, you know, when I went through this from 14 to 18. But um, so I, I didn't really have anybody to tell. And there were other kids going through their own stuff, you know. I mean, if you think about when you grow up, um, I've learned that more kids than I had originally thought um, had actually experienced, you know, abuse in the home. Um, and you know, bullying on top of that. And so it's hard for us as kids or as, as young teenagers to to know what to do. You feel kind of lost. You really do. I know I did. I felt, I felt lost. I knew of two people who were going through some stuff at home, but I didn't realize how badly it was. I mean, I was in the middle of my own mess too. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, I've, I've had, you know, an, an old friend actually apologize to me through um, through social media and say, I, I'm sorry I couldn't do anything back then. I couldn't speak up for you. I was, you know, I was going through stuff too, you know. Um, it, it hurts to know that there's, there's so many of us going through, you know, wanting to take our own lives. I didn't know anybody personally growing up who did that. Um, one of my siblings did. Um, it was someone who was in either middle or high school, but one of their friends had taken their own life um, and what was found in the woods. So that was that was a pretty um, difficult time for them, you know. And for, you know, for me, I felt so heartbroken for the families. And I, I mm -hmm. think about now how my own mother would feel, you know, how my own mom would feel, and my grandfather if I had taken my life. Um, so just be just be there for somebody. You just reach out, pick up the phone. And, and, you know, if you see somebody that, you know, you've got a friend who is considering suicide or if you know they're in a dark place, just let them know that you are there for them. Mm -hmm. um, just, just sit with them. Yeah. You don't have to say anything. And sometimes that will you know, that will help them to reach out and get help and have the numbers handy of somebody they can contact, you know, when they're ready. Um, okay, and the final question is... There, yeah. The final question is, self-care is huge on many levels. How important is self-care to you in your own mental health? Self-care is very important, um, and I'm always working on it. It's something I have to keep working on uh, because I tend to forget about it when I get busy, 
And <laughs> and then I find out that I shouldn't have forgot about it because I really need to be doing it. <laughs> you know, we all do. <laughs> yeah, life kind of gets in the way sometimes, and it's kind of like, oh no, I, I'm now I'm not getting enough rest, and I'm getting overstressed, or I'm putting too many things into my day that's causing me to be you know, frustrated or anxiety or whatever coming on or whatever these issues are. We, you know, for me personally, I'm, I mainly suffer with uh, depression and um, I, anxiety, I suppose, uh, things like that. I become stressed out uh, over certain things. And sometimes it's all because I'm not getting enough rest or I'm just piling too many things in my, on my day and not making just that enough time to sit and breathe. A friend of mine was actually telling me I need to do breathing exercises because she says I never breathe. And I'm like, you're probably actually right. <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> uh, it's just, it's a, I don't know what it's a, what, what it stems from. But um, I find that when I do sit back and do these things like self-care things, it does help me to stay um, level, more level. Uh, in my mental, you know, health and mental uh, wellness. So I can, I can tell when things are starting to get askew and that's because things are getting a little bit uh, out of control, a little wonky and all of a sudden I'm feeling overwhelmed and it's like, then I need to go back and sort of say, okay, it's not a crisis. <laughs> uh, I just need to, you know, get organized or reach out for help or, um, sit back and relax, you know, make sure I take enough time to, to get rest. You know, it, it's these little things, eating healthier. It's hard to eat really healthy um, because healthy foods can be expensive depending on what, what a person's eating. Um, sometimes it's just, you know, cheaper to, you know, eat those foods that are not so healthy. Because I know for myself, I'm on such a tight budget. So I really can't afford to eat healthy, <laughs> but I can make better choices. And so what I've started to do is realize like, okay, I need to just make some better choices with how I'm spending that food dollar um, because, you know, everything's expensive and, um, and make sure I'm getting plenty of rest, you know, um, doing something for myself that I enjoy doing. We've talked about on that on previous shows, you know, um, for me, uh, mobility, I have some mobility issues. So moving and walking around is always a problem. So I do things that are basically kind of like a, that I can do sitting down. So I play guitar and I love to read. Um, I study a lot and that sort of thing. Um, I love music and, you know, just I love to communicate with people. So I'm all, I do a lot of social media stuff and it, it keeps me, you know, doing things that I do enjoy doing. And we can all find some little thing uh, that we like to do. That always helps too. It's important to be good to ourselves. And I think that's what mm -hmm. self-care really is all about. Finding things that work for us to help us get through these stressful times or these times where we feel like, oh, I just, you know, for some reason things are just not right. We need to start incorporating things into our lives that can sort of help, help, help us to have a good life. You know what I mean? It's so important. And I, when I was younger, I used to laugh at all this stuff. I was just like, whatever. But now I'm like, no, this is so important because now I see why people are doing it. I'm like, okay, I guess this is really important. I should have been paying attention a long time ago. So it's, um, you know, I really wish that I would have been doing this a long time ago. <laughs> so, but it, you know, it's just a, it's just a, a start someplace, start someplace. There we go. 
Um, Self-care is, is so important. Um, in, in laughing, you know, I'm grateful to have my mama's sense of humor that I can laugh my way through stuff. After sometimes, after getting through a good cry, um, but you know, tears are healing too, and mm -hmm. tears are part of self-care. Is allowing yourself to feel whatever it is that you're feeling, acknowledge that, and then breathe through it, and then move forward. Um, it's it's not always, it's definitely not easy in the beginning of the journey. Um, and I still have some days that are a little bit harder than others, but self-care can be so many different things to each one of us. Um, it can be from, you know, indulging in one of your favorite teas. Um, you know, yogi teas are, are like my favorite herbal tea. They're a little bit more expensive. Um, and my budget is not, you know, it's not the biggest, you know, but I spend a little bit, a few extra pennies on myself because this is something that relaxes me. Um, they have different flavors. You know, I love the lavender, which is absolutely relaxing. And they have turmeric. They have different flavors. But you know, having a cup of tea, sometimes it's lighting a scented candle and just, you know, sitting and meditating. For me, what also relaxes me is also burning my white sage. And I do a lot of that. You know, this past year, I think I've done more burning of the sage than I have in, in the whole time that, that I've done it, that I've been using it. It's, it's been a very stressful year. And you know, what I like to do is, is I'm trying to eat healthier as well. Um, maybe having a bowl, I, I make a big bowl of fruit, you know, now that we're in the spring slash summer weather and we've got the watermelons, the different melons and, you know, just slice those up, keep them in a big bowl in the fridge, and then treat myself to some of that. Um, of course, you know, I have to have extra because Otis likes melon, <laughs> loves melon. <laughs> I got a strange, strange little boy, but um, he loves his melons, fruits, and veggies. You know, um, he's something. He he is another thing that gets me through and lifts my day and just helps me de-stress and, and do self-care is just sometimes just relaxing with him. Or sometimes we just sit out, you know, when it's not too hot, um, sit out on the front patio. You know, he's got his own little chair and I, and, and I have mine, um, but we'll sit out there for hours, you know, and sometimes self-care means getting up and shutting everything off except for, you know, the computer or laptop, whatever, and, binging on Netflix, you know, some of the favorite <laughs> shows or binging on one particular show. You know, I personally have caught myself that like, oh my goodness, I'm through the first season already. I look, I thought I just sat <laughs> down, you know, um, it's just treating yourself with kindness because yes. you deserve it. You yeah. absolutely deserve it and get to a point in your, in your journey where you can begin living your best life. You know, it, things aren't easy. No. But that's right. We need to take care of ourselves, whatever it takes. Some people, I'm not a big bath person, um, but sometimes taking a bath or a hot soak. And you know, if you've got if you've got the tub that's big enough, you know, we've got little micro tubs here. <laughs> I could, I you know, clawfoot tub. I could go for. It. I really would, you know, and I would take more baths. But 
And for me, sometimes it's just taking some lavender essential oil or I like the Aveeno um, lotion that has lavender in it and just massaging my feet and legs with it and my hands and my arms. And just, mm -hmm. just so many things, like I said, that, that some of us, we, we all like have a similar connection. Like we like, you know, the lotions, the essential oils. Um, and go to the park. You know, going to the duck park is a big thing for me. It's just, it's absolutely huge. It, um, that's self-care. That's self-care for me. Mm -hmm. You know, um, go there, feed the ducks. And my mood is like, it's up 20 points, mm -hmm. you know, once I get to the park. And there's so many different things we can do. You can just sit there, um, no electronics, and, and just write. You know, do some free writing, journaling. Um mm -hmm. Sometimes self-care is just having a three-hour conversation with one of your best friends. You know, it's, um, there's so many things that we can do, but think of what works for you. Because if we don't take care of ourselves, we get completely burnt out and we're absolutely no good, not only to ourselves, but to anybody that would, you know, anybody that mm -hmm. may depend on us. You know, some have kids, some of us have kids or grandkids, um, others, it's just, we need to take care of ourselves. We need to we need to fill that cup back up. You know, it's it's kind of a it's a cliche, but it it is so true. It's like we can't mm -hmm. pour from an empty cup. No, when we're no, so empty. Right. We're so drained. We are so stressed. We've got nothing to give, and we've got to step back and take care of ourselves. It is not selfish. No. Self care is not selfish. That's right. You know, we all deserve. We all deserve. You know to treat ourselves. If that means taking, taking yourself out to a movie, you know, let's sit there and go to a movie or, or rent a special DVD. It's doing, doing whatever it is that will lift your mood, that will help you feel better, that will help um, de-stress you. So there's so many different things you can do, you know, and it's really important that we reach out. Um, we reach out and that we take care of ourselves like eating better, um, overall health. Sometimes it's going for a walk. If I, you know, if my body was made for running, I would go for a run. Uh, I've always wanted to run, but it's it's important. And mm -hmm. sometimes it's hard to see that, you know, depending on where we are in the journey. But take care of yourself. You're worth it. You are yeah. absolutely worth it, and then some. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Self care is anything that makes you feel good about yourself, and we we all need it on the good days mm -hmm. and the bad days. Yeah, that's right. Well, Lori Lee, I want to thank both of you for sitting down and sharing some of your personal experiences. And I also want to let our listeners know that if there is anyone out there that does need help and needs someone to talk to, the National Suicide Prevention Hotline is 1-800-273-8255. There is help available. If you have any um, questions, you can contact us. Um, the information is in the description of this video. Um, we're always here to lend a helping hand. You can check out our website, au4h.weebly.com. We're always here to listen. Um, again, I want to thank everyone for joining us. Lori Lee, it was a great night, great show. Um, I hope you guys it will was. all join us next week. <laughs> I really enjoyed tonight. It was it was a good show. Um, yeah, but I it hope was everyone... Good. We'll, you know, tune back in next week and join us. And 
together we can and we'll make a difference. Good night, That's everyone. Right. Good night, everybody. Have a great night.